Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. Oh, what's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. Welcome back to this episode of Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about the faith of the next generation and reaching young adults in our world today. And thanks for subscribing to this content, whether on YouTube or anywhere you stream podcasts. Hey, thanks for sharing it. It helps the message go further, faster. And we're joined today by a newer friend, Pastor Mike Santiago. Welcome. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. So honored to be here. We're really excited. And if the guest is new or newer to you, um, pastors Mike and his wife Ashton are passionate about the local church and they love serving in ministry together after serving as different you know, assignments, whether worship ministry or youth ministry, they felt a call to start a church. They stepped out in faith and moved their family from Florida to North Carolina to plant Focus Church. And Pastor Mike is also the founder of Break200.com. And so today's conversation is really going to be geared to the heart of the leader who feels like there's more in store. Maybe you feel like today you feel stuck. You felt like you've hit a plateau or Mm -hmm. you're, you climbed a mountain and you realize that the top of this mountain is the bottom of the next mountain. And God has a new dream, a new vision in store for you. So we're going to talk about breaking past the barriers uh, in our life, in our personal Mm -hmm. leadership. It could be in your ministry, in your church plant, or in reaching young adults for Christ. It's almost like We're going to ask Pastor Mike to uh, become part life coach today and part podcast guest. But Pastor Mike, welcome to the show. Again, thanks for spending some time to journey with us. Can you just kick it off with some of your story? Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you for having me. I love uh, talking church. I love young leaders. Um, I consider myself kind of middle age leader now. I'm 35 years old, but I met my wife when I was 14 at a Sunday night service in the local church. And so bring back Sunday night services is what I say. Uh, and that's where that's where you can find the love of your life. And uh, we met uh, at 14, married at 19. And then four months after we were married, became uh, pregnant with our first child. So within almost the first year of marriage, we were married and pregnant and then also had our first kid. And then two years later, we had two more kids. And so we had three kids before the age of 23. Hello, and- adult team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we were teen pregnancy, then young adult pregnancy, and we skipped over that whole uh, five-year window where people kind of travel to Europe and uh, discover their calling and, you know, have all the fun. We're having all the fun now. So fast forward now, we've been married 16 years. I have a 15-year-old, I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, and um, now we are just professional Uber drivers. We drive kids to uh, basketball practice. We drive kids to worship practice. We drive kids to uh, church. We drive kids to school. And then we pick them up when they tell us to pick them up. And um, we, all three of them have cash apps. And so I'm basically, a, 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 I fund teenagers cash apps for when they go to the mall. And uh, that's just kind of how it works. I get a cash app request every time my kids leave the house. And so the reason the reason we're, uh, you know, hustling for the Lord is to just cover these kids gas mileage and the Uber driving and the cash app requests that we get. But we love it. And uh, we started this church young as well. So speaking of young leaders, we were um, 24 years old when we had our first uh, service and um, to God be the glory. That was 10 years ago. 
10 plus years ago now. I'm 35. So um, the Lord has been really good to us. We moved to Raleigh and we had never been here before. We didn't know anyone. And we just kind of moved to a city that we liked. And we started gathering people in our living room. I started inviting people and my neighbors and just really uh, focused on personal evangelism that grew into a Bible study. And then that Bible study grew into like a pre-launch team before the church actually publicly launched. And then we kind of went really hard in the paint uh, for a couple of months, just promoting the church. And uh, it resulted in 175 people attending our first service and 11 people were saved. And then in our first month, we baptized in water three people, uh, which was a huge win for the kingdom. And then uh, since then, the church has just really seen the hand of God. Uh, we've grown from just a couple of people in our living room in the early days to now uh, we are three locations and it's a multi-site church. And, uh, you know, God has been really good to us. We just two weeks ago, um, we baptized 96 people in Come water on. On, on Sunday. So it's been a really uh, cool work to be a part of. It's uh, it's not my church. I'm just on assignment. It's the Lord's church and he has built it. And we've just been honored to be on assignment with the Lord. And um, so my kids have grown. The church has grown. And um, as we dive into this season in our lives, we just, again, drive around, take the kids wherever they want and cash app them whenever they ask for for money for to buy stuff at the mall. It's essentially what my life is. I preach on Sundays and drive my kids around Monday through Saturday. <laughs> we love that you were able to share parts of your story and to know that your start, every story is unique. But for you to be leading at the age of 24, to have three mm. under 24, like you and your wife, to be that young, wow. to meet somebody, the love of your life at age 14, like, oh, only God can write that story. Are you serious? Right. You have yeah. all the kids out of your house before you're 40, essentially. We're going to graduate I mean, high school together. You seriously. Know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Some people aren't having their kids until 40, 42 now. True, and that's not a bad true. thing. But it's like, whoa, like. God knows what we need when we need it. And it's so fun to see and hear how you've been able to raise your children and be part of the church and to do it and love people in the process and to see God's hand of favor grow, even in like the baptism world. And it's not only about numbers, but every soul is a number to God. And every person is a name and a face and a creation of his. And to know that you have three youngs, younger teens or teens going to be young adults very soon. Yep. So when it comes yep. to young adult ministry, not only the youth and, and, you know, 55 plus and beyond, but there's this, there's this lull where 12 years mm -hmm. of people's lives can hang in the balance of eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. So we're passionate about the 18 to 30 year olds. And I'm sure mm -hmm. you are too, because that's a part of God's kingdom. But when okay. it comes to the next generation, pastor Mike, um, why do you believe that reaching the next generation and young adult ministry is so important and vital in this day and age? Well, a ministry is changing more rapidly than ever before. Um, you know, I think the, what we went through as a globe in 2020 really accelerated it. I think it was already happening. It was just like went, went even faster, you know, and things changed very quickly. Um, as things change, the church needs to uh, keep up, if not advance and get ahead of some of the trends and that age group, um, first of all, they are first time voters. So they have they're shaping the political landscape of our country. Um, they are basically first time homeowners. So they're shaping what real estate looks like and what home ownership looks like. Usually that demographic also is in charge of educating. So like young teachers or they're receiving education 
in college. And so you have like these big, huge pockets of culture that are heavily influenced by that 12 year span of 18 to 30. And so uh, I'm very hopeful. First of all, I think that um, Jesus is still on the throne. I don't think he's gotten uh, nervous even one little bit. I don't think that what we hear on the news or what we see on our phones is always the present reality on a local church level or a ministry level. I think sometimes we get fed at two extremes and uh, there tends to be some really great things happening and some really great stories happening in the lives of many local churches or on college campuses or um, in the young adult career um, sphere. Uh, for us at a local church level, it's always been... Um, it starts in a small group because that's how the church started. So we started everything in a small group, the youth group that is now a youth ministry started as a small group and our church that started as a small group. And so we gather in pockets around the city um, as, you know, young adults and people that are in that college and career age. And we see a hunger for number one, the things of the Lord. Uh, they don't want uh, skinny jeans, big screens and fog machines anymore. You know, what they want is they want a real genuine connection with the scriptures. I feel like there's a real um, love and desire to find genuine truth and not uh, probably disconnected or uh, divorced from our parents' version of uh, expression and really looking to see truth at it, at its at its foundational root through the scriptures. Um, we really encourage our young adults to find spiritual mothers and fathers within our church. I think that's probably something that if you ask it, what do we do here at Focus Church intentionally is we try our best to pair up the young people with people who are wise and uh, seasoned and who have gone through things, who have owned a home and who have been married for some decades or who have taken kids through college or taken kids through high school. And so, you know, for me, when it comes to the next generation or young adults or college and career, whatever you want to call it. I really think that there's a, a genuine hunger. I was able to visit um, the Asbury revival uh, wow. when it was happening. I took my daughter, she's 15 and she has a real hunger for the Lord. It's uh, something to be admired and desired for sure. And I wanted her to see the bigger picture. I wanted her to see that um, there are passionate believers around the nation yeah. that gather together when the spirit of God moves and sometimes you can show it, you can watch it, you can read about it, but sometimes you just need to go and experience it. And so maybe there's a young adult listening today or watching today's podcast and you're like, you're scrolling through a move of God, but you haven't really encountered a move of God. I want to encourage you that like, man, find find the fire, you know, at your local level and really lean in and get involved and and don't 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 lean back, you know, don't don't retreat, but instead like really seek after um, what God is doing on a local level, wherever you're listening from. So that would be, I know that that's a lot, but that's kind of my view of, of what God is doing in the next generation. And again, I skipped that whole phase of life. You know, I was kind of thrusted into pastor and father and husband all at once. And so um, to be in like a discovery phase or um, this kind of, uh, you know, journey of faith, I, 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 um, I, I've always wanted to learn, but I never had this um, season of life where I was fit, where I felt like I didn't know what had to be done because I had, I had kids to feed. So I had, to, I had to figure it out quicker and uh, very quickly. 
So my heart is always for people that are looking and longing for God's will and God's purpose for their life. Obviously, they're looking for a soulmate or a spouse. That season of life is challenging and difficult, but my encouragement would be to always lean into the local church and to not retreat. Yeah, I think that's so good to know that there's there's a passion and a stirring in a generation that is just, if they're fed the right thing, which is the word of God, and mm. if they're in the right atmosphere where there are people experiencing the Holy Spirit and encountering God, like, wow, it's an unstoppable force. It really is. But like, I love that you said, like, my daughter need to go experience it for herself. And I would just say, like you said, for the young adult listening Oh, start praying those things, start leaning into what God has and just don't be afraid. Don't shy away from it. And if with a leader listening, if you find yourself, like maybe you're challenged in your ministry, you're challenged in the position, you you're submitting to authority, but you don't feel fulfilled. Like God is wanting to do something. And I would say, even for the person who's starting up the little Bible study, it's like, I want to start a young adult ministry. And there's only five of us. Hey, God had the disciples or Jesus had the disciples. Look at there was 12 of them. And then he had a three, then he had the one, like, don't despise small beginnings. And I think that's just a word for the leader. Even just today is like, don't despise small beginnings because you don't know where God's going to take you, but develop the character that you need to have developed before you get there. Right. So be a lifelong learner, be willing to hear out other people and just really discover what God has when it comes to yourself as a leader. Um, but also for the people that you're leading too. So it's so good to not despise today, not mm-hmm. despise small yeah. beginnings. Everything started somewhere. And I think it's really sure. easy to compare our present moment reality or our assignment with where somebody else's more visible mm-hmm. assignment is. And they started somewhere and it was hidden and it was anonymous. And so it it does a disservice to us, to, to the voice of the Lord, mm-hmm. when we're comparing our present reality with something that somebody else you know, and and I think that that's such a word, Mike, to not despise the small beginnings. And just this past weekend, we were here in Minnesota, Pastor Mike, and there was hundreds of young adults that mm-hmm. came to Lake Geneva for our young adult weekend. And I remember one of our, um, just a friend of our ministry, he's in the business world marketplace. And we wanted to do breakout sessions that were on like questions that young adults were asking. And, mm-hmm. and so we did one on finances mm-hmm. and this breakout speaker. He's, he called me afterwards to say like, I'm so glad that I came. He goes, I care more now about young adults than I ever have before. He goes, because there was a girl who stayed after and she, I guess her dad has told her like her whole life, mm-hmm. parents got split up and her whole life. The only message that her dad has really shared is I'd have so much more money if you had never come along. Wow. And this financial advisor, this wealth manager is like, you've been told a lie mm-hmm. your whole life. And I just want to tell you, and he just, he just wanted to cry. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Josiah, like, I never really cared about young adults, but now I care more than ever. And it's hard out there. Like the mm-hmm. lies of the enemy, the world can look bleak without the hope of God. And yet mm-hmm. we have the hope of God. So we're going to share some hope with the listener. And I think totally. one of, one of the themes of leadership for me, leading at a young age, for you, Pastor Mike, leading mm-hmm. at a young age, um, I'm still dealing with it. Like sometimes I'm called to lead people as you are who are older than me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like one of the surprises mm-hmm. and one of the frequently asked questions we get from say a 20 year old who's leading a, a ministry. And they're like, two thirds of the people are older than me. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the challenges that we have to navigate. But mm-hmm. for the young leader, Pastor Mike, who is just called by God, senses his drawing to ministry 
they have a dream in their heart, whether it's to pioneer a campus mm-hmm. ministry like Chi Alpha or we both love CMN and maybe their dream is to plant a church someday, to start something new, to break new ground for God's kingdom apostolically. Like what advice do you have? What have you learned along the journey about breaking new ground for God's kingdom? So there will probably be three um, phases or three steps that I would share. Uh, the first one, I'll just tell you all three because I might forget and then I'll get I'll get lost in the middle of explaining. So, so <laughs> number, number one is identity. Number two is maturity. And number three is authority. So it, you have to solidify your identity in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, no ministry, no influence, no platform, no Bible study, no program, no big, small, doesn't matter. If you are not, if you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, it affects your marriage. It will affect your dating relationships. It affects uh, what career you choose, your mental health. All of it is, am, am I fully embracing the spirit of what I call a spirit of sonship or adoption? Am I a daughter, my son of God? Do I have that? Am I clothed in righteousness when I wake up every single day? So if you, and I had to learn this the hard way because I grew up in a very, um, I grew up in a real church environment, but I didn't have a solidified identity in Christ. I had a, my solidified identity in performance or in striving or in what I had done for the church, or if I had attended enough times or said the right things or done the right things or repeated the right prayers. But beyond that, those are, those are well-meaning things, but they don't, I'm looking for a solidified identity in Christ. If I'm a young leader, I'm going to wake up every day knowing that um, God's love for me is not far. It's close, right? It's, there's nothing that I can do to separate me from the love of God. So identity first. Once I get my identity solidified, then I can begin to grow in maturity. So identity will lead to a right. Anyone that doesn't know who they are in Christ will get offended very easily. They'll seem very immature because they haven't gone through the process of solidifying who they are in Christ. So they can't receive feedback. They can't receive correction. They can't get direction from anyone. No one can counsel them. Their their pride is high. And their maturity is low. What you want is you want your pride to be low and your maturity to be high. So I need to walk with the Lord. I need to have a an ongoing relationship with God that develops in me a, a, a better understanding of wisdom and knowledge. I need to be in the scriptures. I need to be journaling in the scriptures. I need to be, um, I need to get some sun. You know, I need my screen time to be down and I need my vitamin D to be up. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things that contribute to maturity. I need to find some wise counsel around me that could help mature me as a believer. And then whenever I get into situations where my emotions take control, I can begin to say, no, I'm first of all, my identity is solidified in Christ and my maturity as I'm being sanctified, we would call that sanctification. That's the maturity of a believer. And you need to go through that process. And then thirdly is authority. Once you have your identity solidified, maturity is being developed in you. Then you walk into a room and no matter what the age of the people you're leading are, there's a spiritual authority that you don't even have to announce. You don't have to demand. You don't have to command because I know who I am in Christ. I've been sanctified and being sanctified through maturity and development and process and and the Holy Spirit's doing work in me all the time. And I'm learning and I'm growing and my pride is low and my 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 humility is like I'm just I'm just here to serve. And then you walk into a room and you you don't have to command a room. 
the spirit that you carry commands the room on your behalf. And so you have uh, identity in Christ, which is a huge crisis right now. You need to really solidify who you are in Christ. You are not, you know, Jesus is not the Jesus of TikTok or Instagram or the mom blogs or the blue check mark or the verified or view count or subscriptions or comments or likes. That's not your identity. Your identity is found in Christ. You are a son. You are a daughter. He is well pleased with you. And once you get that, then you can move to maturity. You could say, okay, I, I can now live out of a place of sanctification through maturity. And then once you once you mature, as you mature, the Lord will increase your authority. And so my church is older than me. The average age in my church is older than me. Uh, we have about 1,200 people in attendance. And I don't say these numbers to brag. I'm just trying to give a scope of the size of the ministry that I lead. At 35 years old, our average age is about 47, so about 12 years older than me. But in, it has not occurred to me that question no longer comes up to me because it's no longer a matter of age. It's a matter of authority. And so, and the authority comes from, again, my identity is solidified in Christ. Whether my sermon gets a hundred views or a hundred thousand views, it doesn't change my adoption to the family of God. I am a son, no matter what, whether I drive a nice car or or a, a a deadbeat car. It doesn't matter. My my identity is not found in my possessions, the square footage of my home, the the sports that my kids play. I mean, I could go on and on about the list of the American identity. I don't I don't embrace that. I embrace Christ's identity for my life. And then my maturity comes through scriptures, my daily walk with the Lord, my margin of time, my schedule is an indi indicator of my maturity, right? And so if I'm immature, then I'm going to eat bad, sleep, sleep a long time and always be late. But if I'm mature, if I'm maturing, then I'm going to grow into that. And that maturing leads to authority. So that would be kind of if I was a young leader, I wish someone would have told me identity will lead to maturity and maturity leads to authority. And those three components, the younger I, the younger you receive that and begin to live that out. Uh, the sooner you will feel like age is not really indicative of influence. And age is not really the barrier to your influence that people will respond and listen to and learn from and receive from someone who has their identity secured, maturity is being developed, and their authority is God given. That's that's kind of the three the three things that I would be. That's in my mind. Incredible. I think that Love it. I think that rings true on so many, so many fronts. And I think as young leaders, I think so many times I've been probably guilty of this. Josiah, maybe you have, or maybe you have the listener who you've almost like demanded a microphone or demanded the authority or like, I have something to say. For sure. Okay, time out. The moment we think as leaders we have something to say means that we are running before God. God might have something to say in and through us, but if our identity is not found in him and the maturity factor is not being developed and we're not continually being sanctified, sanctification is a lifelong experience. That's right. That's right. And, and when we step into that authority, like you said, like God is going to use the Holy Spirit in and through you the moment you walk in through the door. So it's nothing that you carry aside from the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and it's what we do with it. And I think we live in a day and age. And I told us to Josiah, I was like, wow, I'm a millennial. So millennials were like, leadership, 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 leadership. And I'm like, okay, leadership is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But that word just became so overused. Right. And I was talking to Josiah and I was like, I feel like Gen Z, and this is not a smack against them. I love the generation. 
But the word instead of leadership, I feel like we replaced it with a self-proclaimed, not leader, but a self-proclaimed influencer. That's right. I influence. That's right. We all carry influence. It's just a matter of what we're going to do with the platform that God has given us, or if we've developed it on our own, whether you're a YouTube sensation overnight, or you are somebody who's like 50 years old. I think of Christine Kane who's just like, you guys, I'm this old now, but I've been working at this forever. Like God's just using me. I've, so I've heard her say that before. She said, yes, you I've, she's, I've done this every week. Yes. Yes. And people are like, I discovered her. It's like, well, she's kind of been around, but you know what? Like until you hear their story to know that right. her identity, wow. the maturity, the authority that she so takes awesome. onto a stage now, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. So for the leader who may be wrestling with all of those different components, whether they're a young leader listening or they're a pastor, like for the individual who feels stuck and maybe just Mm -hmm. discouraged on any or all of those fronts, how do you help people push past the barriers in their personal lives or even their leadership style, or maybe even their pursuit for Christ? Yeah. I, I think that there's a couple of practical things that I would do if I could go back to young adulthood, um, I would, number one, and I, I think we already mentioned this, but I would really get a handle on consumer debt and personal finances. I just feel like it's a huge uh, stumbling block. It doesn't stop. God can use anyone, but he's more likely to use someone who's financially free, who's not um, sweating yeah. that the creditors are going to call or that that guitar center card is maxed out because you wanted to play the guitar one day and you needed the most expensive guitar. So you, you know what I'm saying? The TJ Maxx rewards card. It's like, do we really need a TJ Maxx rewards card? You know, uh, like how many candles can we possibly buy? You know, on the TJ Maxx oh, card. It's pillows. Okay. Pillows. 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 <laughs> pillows. Yes. Came into so, marriage with one pillow. They have a thousand now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So like the consumer debt crisis, like if we'll get real, I'll get really practical. It's like, until I understood that, it really was a limiting factor on my leadership because I everything I said, everything I did was seen through the lens of lack and through the lens of prov- poverty wow. and not through the lens of abundance and prosperity. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the ability to look at someone's need and be able to meet it without having to think I have all of the demand of my bills behind me. And so consumer debt is a massive uh, limiting factor in the everyday life mm-hmm. of a young adult. It's like we the car payments are are high and the the interest rates are high and and I'm not saying if you have this if you have a car payment and you're listening to this that you are in the wrong what I'm saying is an aggressive way to combat that by you know finding out best practices really learning how to manage finances is super important the next thing is like um relationship intelligence or emotional intelligence like really being able to read a room and not getting anxious in a crowd shaking someone's hand and and giving eye contact with them these are things that our our fathers were taught our mothers were taught there was like some sort of like there was a, a standard of manners that kind of has yeah. gotten i wouldn't say lost it's just it's not needed as much anymore because of the cell phone you don't have to shake someone's hand and look at them in the eye so you don't do it as frequently you know you can now bank entirely from your phone you don't have to go inside the bank or you don't you can now order food and you don't have to go to a restaurant and see a server. And so the the frequency of interaction or interaction with humans is so low that some of the practices that were common for our parents and we were taught are now not being passed on just because they're not as required. But the, the here's the thing. There will be the most valuable asset in the future 
is going to be your ability to relate to people that are in a room, even if it's on an online, you know, way like this, like, uh, you know, looking at people in the eye, shaking, standing up when you shake someone's hand. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, those kind of manners, uh, that kind of standardized uh, relational intelligence or um, just social, like not getting everyone I talk to that's younger than me seems to be anxious in a crowd and, I, and or seems to be anxious when they go to meet people or doesn't want to go to mm -hmm. uh, that conference or I don't want to go to that service or I'd rather watch it online. And it, what it does is it builds in you this um, isolated spirit and what and no one can speak into your life. So no one knows what you're going through because we can't read your mind because you're not uh, open enough in front of people to just even say hello. So if if I could encourage a leader, your your consumer debt is really, really bad. It's very, very hard and challenging. It slows your influence down. And then not being able to relate to people face to face, like looking at a cashier at the grocery store in the eye and not just scrolling on your phone. Uh, so relationship intelligence, like really knowing how to relate to one another outside of the online world. And then I think third and finally, it's just like making sure that there's margin in your schedule and and margin in, in your life. Margin to think, not just margin to veg. So I'm not saying, hey, have a Netflix day every week or have a YouTube binge day every week. What I'm saying is, is there an intentional daily effort? where you sit down, maybe small, light worship music. Like I'm not talking about intercession. I'm not talking about praying. I'm talking about a moment in your day where you literally allow, allow the, the Lord to renew your mind. And you have the time in your schedule to sit there and just receive that identity of sonship and being a daughter of God. If I could go back, I would have margin in my schedule I would have no consumer debt whatsoever. And I would make sure that I, every time I walked into a room, I wasn't anxious and that I was okay and comfortable with meeting people who I didn't know. Those are the three things that I think I would do if I was a young, a young leader. Hopefully that's not too practical or practical enough. And I don't want to get way up here Good. in the clouds for your Good. audience and then not give them tangible <clears throat> actual steps, you know? Love it. It's beautiful. I think that, the difference between dreams happening or being delayed or the, you know, the mm -hmm. shortest way that we know to accomplish the dreams that God's given us is stewardship financially yeah. mm -hmm. with time and mm -hmm. with, you know, relationships are one of the things that has the potential to last and echo even into eternity. And then with margin in schedule, I think I've done the first two pretty well. Yeah. And so probably I just asked the leader out of those three, which maybe is, something that you need to focus on. That's one of the messages my dad would tell me. And I tried to listen, but it was also like when I was single, when, when I didn't, when I wasn't married yet, or I didn't have kids, some of those were habits that I started saying yes to everything mm -hmm. and not having that margin in the schedule. That's a gift. It's breathing room in your right. bank account, breathing room mm -hmm. in the, in the calendar, the time to think right. the time to play. I love it. <laughs> and, um, Pastor Mike, we love to like close the episodes where we just put five minutes on the clock and yep. we, we call it the five and five, five questions, rapid fire. Um, and there'll be a curveball in there, but this is kind of like the home run derby. Awesome. I love it. I'll kick it off with okay. this one. What is God teaching you lately is the first question. 
Uh, he's teaching me identity, <laughs> maturity, and authority is what he's teaching me. And uh, I, I'm really into this spirit of adoption lately. The Lord is yeah. really, um, I don't want to use the word deconstruct because I think that my upbringing was great, but he is really uh, reframing my view of my relationship with him and that it's not merit-based or performance-based or striving-based, but it's it's adoption-based. And once the adoption papers were signed and sealed through Jesus's blood, um, I'm in Christ. And so that's what the Lord is teaching me lately. Amen. That's so good. All right. Question number two is what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. It's great. Um, it goes, it goes hand in hand with my answer earlier, but, uh, that if you're going to have any problems, money problems are not problems you need to have. Wow. So life is going to bring a ton of problems, but he said, this is a pastor friend of mine. He said, I refuse to have money problems because I'm going to have family problems. I'm going to have church problems. I'm going to have job problems, but he goes, money problems are my responsibility. So that was the best advice I've ever heard. Ownership over finances. Seriously. Yes. What Seriously. a good word. What a good word. Okay. Here's the curveball. If you could ask Mike and I anything, any yeah. question, we never know what's going to come our way and it keeps us engaged. It keeps us challenged and on our toes. So throw us a curveball. What's the one question you'd want to ask us today? I'd probably want to know where you see the landscape of the local church in relation to young leaders, probably 10 years from now. So the year 3033, what does... What does this look like? Oh, man. I love that question. That's a great question. We haven't been asked it before, but this is actually kind of the headspace that I like to dream from and operate in. And I'm visionary. I'm also like Micah often talks about the kayak. We need to pray and we need to be proactive. We need to dream and do. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the future of the church, pragmatically on a research data side, it's like, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like two thirds. So 66, maybe even as high as 75% of current mm-hmm. pastors are 55 plus cross denominationally, like just in America. Right. And so there is going to be a leadership transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, so then the question is, is there a shortage of leaders? We watch a show called the prophet Marcus Limonis owns camping world and he'll, he'll go and take over. And he's like, it's either a people issue, a what does he say? People, product, People, product process. And process. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're a prophet. Love, that guy. Love and, that guy. And and what he does is he'll buy, write a check, take over the operations right. of the, the company. And I, I look at some of the leadership and I wonder, is this real or where are all the good leaders? Mm-hmm. And I think that what I really see is the next 10 years are catalytic. They're mm-hmm. really make it or break it for, for leadership and the future of the church. But where I really see hunger, like you talked earlier on in the episode about a hunger, I see Mm -hmm. generation Z as very hunger. Their, their rally cries, like, what about us? Put me in coach. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to play. Mm -hmm. And God can work with hunger, especially when it's a pure hunger, a hunger Mm -hmm. after holy things and what's true and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. And so I see the hunger. And I think that what's interesting is I told her the other day that around age 40, this is my I'm not 40, I'm 31, but around age 40 is a measurable intersection of what I believe three things are, energy, wisdom, and opportunity. It's like when you're younger than 40, you actually have a lot more energy. When you're above 40, 
you start to tap into both supernatural and practical wisdom, but opportunities mm-hmm. tend to seek you out. It's mm-hmm. like about a year ago, 10 of our guests in a row were about 39 years old mm-hmm. on this podcast. And I go, wow, energy is intersecting with wisdom, which is intersecting with opportunities. And so what I really see is a, a need for us to raise up the next generation of leaders the next 10 years, all hands on deck so that they have, they can channel their energy for the wrongs that they were designed by God to make right. These great works, mm-hmm. they're a masterpiece, they're a poem, mm-hmm. but then they need some wisdom. So we have the next year, mm-hmm. 10 years, nine, 10 years to deposit, to invest in the faith of the next generation, to give opportunities so that the first mm-hmm. time somebody touches a microphone isn't 10 years from now, but we can give right. feedback on their announcements. Mm-hmm. We can give right. them feedback in advance of the messages they're going to preach and they can That's lead right. groups. And then it's the opportunity. So I see 10 years from today, a bright future for the local church. I think right. it will be heavy on presence based, mm-hmm. meaning the transcendent shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball people of God. And I think that there'll still be live stream. I still think that there'll be church online, but people will begin to ask the question, what can we do at the table mm-hmm. that we can't do in the temple? Yeah, and and what can we do in circles or homes mm-hmm. that doesn't right. lend itself well to a worship center or a sanctuary or, or a space or ropes? Yeah. yeah, and so, right, right. but I see a real hunger for that. Well, that was a long answer. It doesn't count against your time, but it counts no, against mine. Okay. What, what would you say? <laughs> oh man, I would just say like to tap into and lean into what Josiah is saying. I agree definitely with all of that, and I say. Right now is our opportunity as leaders, whether we're in our 30s, is to start equipping the people behind us, the generations Mm -hmm. behind us, and not to be afraid to hoist the generation on our shoulders because we're standing as leaders on the shoulders of somebody else, whether we realize it or not. There are people who have been pioneers behind the scenes in any form, in all forms of ministry um, and cross denominations. So it's more or less like, are we going to be secure enough leaders currently that are feel comfortable enough to hand off? the torch and not hold on to it too long until you're 70, 80 years old and turn around like wonder where all the good leaders. That's not the question. The question right now in our thirties is saying, who am I raising up? Whether God uses them a part of our ministry or we bless and send them to be a part of somebody else's. That's not for me. That's for God and the Holy spirit to do. So I, when you first asked this question, Mike, I got the image of like these pavers that are just being paved right now because of many people And the funny thing is like many young adults, even this last weekend, they're probably 18 to 22. Oh my gosh, young adult ministry. It's just starting out. I don't see it anywhere. And Josiah and I are like, we've both been separately before we got married, parts of young adult ministries that were established 10 plus years ago, being like, this isn't a new concept at large. It's just new to you because you're now 20 and you're not 10. And this is like for the pastor who's like, I'm 50. No, no, no. This isn't a new concept of young adult ministry. You just have a young adult under your roof. Right. So I guess where I see it as it's an opportunity for the leaders above even the three of us as lead lead pastors to say, hey, we're not going to silo young adults in the church or outside the church. We're going to create room and opportunities for them. So I think as leaders, if we can just separate ourselves from the insecurity of torch passing and say, we're in this together. We're God's saints and we want to be equipped and sharpen each other along the way. And this is a battle. This is a war that's already been won, but we're not going to put down the shield. We're not going to step off on the sidelines wondering what's going to happen because we're part of the plate. We're part of the play and God needs all of us to be on that field. So I think it's up to us 
I mean, God knows, but it's like, there are elements where it's like, wow, what do I, Micah, have to offer God's kingdom in a Mm. sense of teaming up with him and the Holy Spirit in the process? So I think it looks like a bright future. I think there are hungry young adults longing for the goodness and the, like the mystery of God in their life. But if we're not setting the table and we're not feeding them the proper word of God in the real relationship with Jesus, they will find themselves in seasons, in lifestyles, on the floor, eating the crumbs of somebody else's religion. When we're at a table supposed to be engaging in a relationship with each other as fellow believers, creating room for others who are pre-believers and sitting there with Jesus. So There's Amen. a 20-minute answer. Sorry, Mike. Yep. It's all good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But back to you. Question it. number four. Um, what has God been really stirring your heart or placing on your heart for leaders um, right now in the season that you're in specifically? Yeah. Um, we had a staff meeting this morning, and I, I don't get to lead the staff meeting every week anymore. I just get once a month. So I got to shoot my shot and make sure that it counts. And I was talking about there's like four levels of change and I'll go through them very quickly. We could have spent the whole podcast talking about this, but basically there is maintenance, which is like cutting the grass, um, unlocking the doors, things that you just have to do, sending the weekly announcement email, uploading the sermon to YouTube. There's maintenance change, but it doesn't really produce much growth. It's just maintenance. Um, then there's minor tweaks. Those are like things that we like do every week. You know, we tape down a chord or we switch the lyrics so that they can be more legible or we fix the kids check-in computer so that the labels for the kids stickers print out better. There's So there's maintenance, there's minor tweaks, and then there's major changes, adding a ministry, subtracting a ministry. Um, and then there's mindset shifts. That's the fourth one. And the, and what, the, the thing that produces the most change in any leader is not maintenance, and it's not minor tweaks. It's not even major changes. It's mindset shifts. Yeah. So that would, uh, if I was talking to leaders, I would say, hey, delegate the maintenance, disregard the minor tweaks. You can dream a little bit about major changes, but really focus on the renewing of your mind because it's in the renewing of your mind where you transform the leader's ability That's to. So think. good. So that so would be, good. That would be the, those would be that would be what I would tell the young leaders. Phenomenal. Uh, question 4.5 is like a follow-up because of how stinking good what you just downloaded on those maintenance, minor tweaks, major changes, and mindset shifts. So I remember studying in grad school, uh, change leadership and change management yeah. and the importance of like one one of the books, one of the schools of thought of like leadership is that you just make changes. But then along the way, the other school of thought is like the snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like creating buy-in. Do you have any thoughts on that to weigh in on the importance of not only casting a vision, but almost in concentric circles, like casting mm-hmm. the vision, creating buy-in along the way before just you know, yeah. So so trust, trust is the currency of speed, right? So nothing slows an organization down like a lack of trust. Um, I can trust you if you've brought me into your process, but if I can't trust you, we're not going to go very far and we're not going to go very fast because I'm going to question everything. But when trust is high, the the leash is long. I, I let you make, like when, let's just give a church board example. I'm a pastor. I have a church board when they trust me, when they see the church moving in the right direction, when what I said actually is what what happens, 
if I'm not being funny with the money, then we can make decisions very quickly. But if I've done things that made me untrustworthy, it really slows the organization down. So um, there, there's the whole story about the piano. You know, a pastor comes in and he's a new pastor. He doesn't like that the piano is on the left side. He wants the piano on the right side. So on his first Sunday before the service, he wheels it by himself to the right side and the church is in uproar. I mean, they are just frustrated with him. They're sending angry emails. How could you move the piano? It's been there for decades. My grandchildren were dedicated in front of that piano on the left side, you know, or whatever. So he reluctantly moves it back. And then he starts to move the piano one foot a, a week for the next 52 weeks. And no one ever says anything. <laughs> Why? Because the, the, the abrupt change without permission shocked their system to a point of, you know, discontent but a subtle move of the piano once a week got him his results in 52 weeks without any pushback at all so i would say if you're a young leader especially the trust level coming in is always low so you need to be trustworthy first of all worthy of trust you know if you're not worthy of trust then the speed is always going to be slow so be worthy of trust be full of integrity and the organization can move faster. I'm not on the church's bank account. I cannot sign checks. Uh, and I say that from the pulpit. We are debt-free as a church. We were in debt $2 million when we merged with this existing church. Whole nother story for another day. But I got them out of debt, removed myself off the bank account because we had this influx of cash for selling some property. And there's zero, z I have zero uh, problems. Open book to all the books. Why? Because I have nothing to hide. Zero to hide because I don't even have permission or access to the finances. So that's one way that we're trustworthy and people trust us so we can make decisions faster, less red tape because there's a higher level of trust. I agree. So okay. powerful. I think it's studies indicate that it's something like seven years on the business branding side of things, right? Mm -hmm. To build like just brand awareness for pastors mm -hmm. in a community. Typically it does take, there's no shortcut to trust. It's, it's, it's over yeah. time and you mm -hmm. are trustworthy. I remember um, one of my mentors, a uh, late mentor in my life, he helped fundraising and he would coach pastors and do these capital campaigns. And mm -hmm. um, his name was Roger and he helped raise over $400 million. This is what I learned from him about change leadership or change management. Sometimes a leader goes to a conference and you have like the wet dog syndrome and you're like, I met with God and this is what we're going to do. And you make the announcement, but it's hard. And then you're like, why are people not with me? Well, they weren't there and you didn't really do much to take them there. It, it right. was like a secondhand experience. Right, right. So, Implementation breaks down when, when they're not there. Right. right. And right. and right. I remember learning this, watching capital campaigns where um, a pastor would first decide in their heart what God had laid on their heart to tithe or to give to a building project. Then they'd go to the board and just personal, like, what are, what are we going to do for right. each of us are going to pray? Then they'd go to the staff. Mm -hmm. That's then right. they'd go to small groups and the pastor they do pie meetings which was like this yeah. old thing where you do mm -hmm. pastor information exchange and they do question and answer yeah. and so then they'd go to the sunday schools and i know sunday right. schools in a lot of our context is gone right. maybe it'd be small, small group. group or right. mid side but doing some home meetings and volunteer doing... teams anything like that yes yeah. yes team nights that's kind of yeah. you know another phrase but then they would go church-wide and they'd say, okay, the vision is we're going to build this $10 million expansion. 
but we've got five and a half million dollars raised in cash and commitments. Right, right. And by the time you go mm. to church wide with the announcement, and you go public and, with it. Yeah. And I think that I learned this, Pastor Mike, about change management is in our mind, it's like we see it. We're already there. And I think my biggest hiccup in leadership, one of my biggest shortcomings is not taking people there, not assuming right. like they might not have seen the vision that I, they might mm-hmm. not share the excitement right. yet, but just mm-hmm. being patient and doing change leadership, not to cause whiplash mm-hmm. or to shock the system, but to build right. momentum. Like I think change leadership is a topic probably for another day, but my takeaway is just like build momentum over time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trust. Trust is so, is so vital. So true. So question five of five mm-hmm. is, uh, this is a fun one just to, to leave leaders with insight, advice, and encouragement. If we handed you the microphone and just said, Hey, could you encourage a group of young leaders? What would you say to the listener today? Yeah, it's never as bad as you think it is. Uh, that would be the the first thing I would tell a young person. It's the sky is not falling. Um, you know, just, uh, if you'd be amazed at how better your life would get after you take a nap and put your phone on airplane mode. So I would encourage those two practical things, like get some sleep, put your phone on airplane mode, like the notification frequency in my, even I'm seeing this in my children. And so they're, they're teenagers. It's like, it's too much, you know? And so your screen time, keep your screen time down, keep your, keep your mind clear so that you can hear from the Lord. And when you hear from the Lord, write it down, write it down so that generations, anything written down can be read for generations. And so write it down somewhere, um, you know, find yourself a, a paper Bible with a journal in the margins. I know that this might be too practical, but I, I just really feel like there's some some real bad habits being established. We will probably look at screen time um, like our generation looks at cigarettes, like how in the world did they ever allow you to smoke on an airplane? We will probably, our, our generation, the next generation will probably say, how in the world did our parents let us watch that iPad for five hours in a day? You know, we don't know what it's doing to our wow. uh, right. frontal cortex, you know, to our, to our brain. So I'll encourage, uh, I don't want to, I don't be doomsday guy, but like, I want to encourage you, man, like take a long walk on airplane mode really get into the presence of God, really hear the voice of God, write down everything you hear from God so that you can look back on it and generations can look back on it. Right behind me up here, those are all red journals from my young adult days. They're all full, cover to cover, with thoughts, prayers, hopes, dreams, names that of my children before they were born, um, You know, dreams and desires for the youth ministry we were leading, for the devotional thoughts that I had. And there's probably, you don't know, 17 or 18 of those full. And I used to carry one around every single place that I went to. And I would just fill it up with anything God, if I had an illustration or I met someone very interesting or anything at all. And and my prayer would be that my children one day will open these up and they'll see how I thought. They'll see how I prayed. They'll see how I lived. And they'll be able to open up my Evernote too, which is a digital version of all that and see all the sermons that I've written, all the notes that I've taken. And, um, and I just feel like that would, my encouragement would be, you know, let's document the dreams that God is writing in your your heart. Let's not let them, you are, you are a son and daughter of God. Like he's Mm -hmm. writing dreams on your heart. So just make sure you document those and and, and take those down. My other encouragement would be just, you know, get into the local church. Do not like, 
Uh, I understand everyone's going to have their journey of faith and their own discovery. Some might call it deconstruction. I don't really enjoy using that term as much, but I would encourage you to like, no matter how hard your faith journey gets, really stay in, in contact with the local church. It's There is no perfect local church. You're not going to find it anywhere. So just go ahead and serve in it, lean into it, love the good parts, love the bad parts, love the annoying parts. It might not serve all of your needs, but if you find somewhere that you can serve, it will begin to meet the needs in your own heart. And that would be my my bit of encouragement to young adults if you gave me the microphone. That's wonderful. Pastor Mike, thank you so much for sharing. And what a great note to truly leave the listener, the leader with, of just put down the phone, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D, make room, create space for God to speak to you, get in the word, start journaling. I think writing has become a lost art of just mm-hmm. truly sitting down, pen and paper, Um Postcards, write out thank you cards, handwritten letters mean so much. And sometimes they mean so much more than just a text. Hey, thinking of you. No, they wrote that out. They put it in a card. They put a stamp on it. They knew your address. They put it in the mailbox and it was hand delivered to you. So let's be people that truly see people for who they are, for where they're at and love them. And let's create space to do that. So creating space for God to speak to us, but then so we can serve each other better. So Pastor Mike, I thank you so much for that wonderful challenge. Just a breathing room and just taking taking things slower, even in the world of crazy around us. So we just loved our time with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. And I'm very grateful for y'all's influence over the next generation. I think it's very vital and important. And I love the work that you guys are doing. For me. Thank you so much. encouraging. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, I'm all feel free right to subscribe. Now. Leave a review. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.